0: By a friend and entrepreneur, Rebecca Stein, PhD. And uh she is an all-star, so rather than me stumble and bumble through her fabulous bio, I'm going to yield the floor to my colleague out of Erie, Pennsylvania
1: to tell us more. Okay, well, thanks for having me. It's so nice to see you, so Yeah, um, we met when you came to Erie, Pennsylvania, and I actually my background's a little bit varied, right? So more more recently. In 2017, I opened a speakeasy-style bar and restaurant called Room 33 in the heart of downtown Erie. But prior to that, I was a little more in economic development and supporting entrepreneurs. I've just been really all over the map, right? And and as you mentioned, I got my PhD, but I've been trying to focus that in entrepreneurial leadership. And I've been teaching business classes um, for local universities too. So, because you never know, right? Um, but the business has gone great, you know, and then COVID hits. And because of that, we were mandated to take out only. And at the time, 90% of our sales are bar sales. But in Pennsylvania, you were not legally allowed to sell alcohol to go. So that was fun. So we had an option we could close our doors, which a lot of establishments around us had to do that, or we could ramp up, you know, our kitchen offerings, which we did. So we did a lot of unique things and fun partnerships with the community. But one of the things that we did that really stood out was that we bottled non-alcoholic versions of our classic cocktails, because that's what we had become known for. So we'd done a variety of different ones, had a really great response. And then honestly, I just woke up one day seriously and was like, huh, I wonder if I can't bring this to market. So I went to the team and I said, in keeping with our brand, which is prohibition related, the establishment room 33 1933 is when prohibition ended so everything is inspired by pre and post prohibition so i went to them and said why don't you come up with some cocktails from you know the speakeasy culture and they were on board and i told them i'd figure everything else out they came up with uh four different ones that we ended up moving forward with and then the rest is history or, or still pretty much in its infancy So <laughs> i love it i love it so
0: yes you definitely have an incredibly um, diverse and fascinating background which is why i like talking to you so much about it and you can sit in the seat of you know anything from the economic developer to the leadership coach to the entrepreneur feeling and dealing with all of it so let's start first with you know your phd and your background what was your passion there and what kind of drives
1: you related to entrepreneurial leadership every day so i really just like to create part of it was not only creating opportunity for myself, right? Like I like options, because you never know what you're gonna end up doing and it's good to have those. And I, um, and as a woman, especially in business, the more opportunity I could create for myself, the more impactful I felt I could be to others. So I did my master's and then I took a very long break and then they launched um, a program at our university here it was organizational learning and leadership in 2012 or 2008 but at that time it was really focused in the educational realm, like superintendent sort of um, focus so i didn't do that for like another four years i went back i applied in 2012 i got in i went for one year i stopped going because i didn't know if it was for me yeah. and at that time met my husband got married came back moved him to erie And then decided I'd go back again and you know I really kind of got into the entrepreneurship realm at that point and very interested in supporting. Others in the arena, so I was working in economic development and supporting entrepreneurs, and that was kind of the trajectory I took during the coursework so when I ended up doing my dissertation it was focused in entrepreneurial leadership in the manufacturing and technology sector. Ah, which is perfect for our our Erie Pennsylvania and Rust Belt folks so I love that. Yes, I had a lot of people to talk to.
0: I would imagine so. So I guess talk to us then a little bit about the economic development role. What did you see and experience there and what are some of
1: your big takeaways? Sure, so more recently I served as a VP of Ventures for the Erie Innovation District, which was ultimately folded in to the Erie Regional Chamber and Growth Partnership. So obviously there were definitely some challenges um, and opportunities there. They had, it was a newly created organization. Um, Various nonprofits got together and thought it would be great to kind of have this hub in a particular area. And we hired a CEO who was quite the visionary um, and, but didn't, I think he was just a little too far ahead of his own game for, you know, to really kind of make the impact he wanted to make here. So he ultimately ended up leaving and the chamber took over and then they kind of brought it in and i had an opportunity to go there but at that point i was really focused um on my restaurant and it was during sure. cooking and so i went a totally different direction interesting okay and so now you're in the thick of it
0: uh being an entrepreneur and that can be pretty hard um that's an understatement and yes. so talk to us about some of maybe like the ups and downs of entrepreneurship that you've experienced
1: there is something to be said for resilience in this yeah. arena right like i've experienced so many so many ups and downs and the thing is is that the winds don't have to be so big they just have to be enough to carry you through to the next you know tranche of things right yeah. like it just has to give you enough to say you're still on the right path keep going um but in the, in the downs area, like you don't know what you don't know. And I, I mean, I've messed up so many times in this process, whether it was understand as basic as labels on bottles, right? Like because of my particular type of fill, the very first run of um, bottles I ever did, I didn't get the right label printed at the right heat temperature because I didn't know. So all the labels came out wrinkled and my first batch of bottles that I had to get out to, to both like my Kickstarter, um, you know, rewardees and our backers and other people I'm trying to get the product in front of and apologizing for it as I'm doing it. Like that was my first foray into the whole business setting of getting this, you know, getting our product to launch. So it was, it was really challenging and just kind of walking people through that process. But trust me, shipping, inventory, the economy, like the ability for others, you know, just there's, there's a lot in it and you have to, you have to want, you have to have a passion for it. And even though the passion for your project um, doesn't, at the end of the day, you've got to determine what's best for you and your company moving forward. It really is what's going to sustain you too. If I was doing this for somebody else, you know, it really takes, you know, you got to love it. You got to love it in order to keep doing it.
0: Yeah, so I, I loved your phraseology there that you have to do what's best for you and you have to do what's best for the company. So in the dark days of COVID where they're like, hey, you're a speakeasy and you're closed now and you can't serve alcohol into go cups, right. uh, what was that like and how did you get yourself through that?
1: you know it's funny at that time i was probably more i always like to prove people and things wrong right so when this first came out i i didn't really falter in the face of this challenge and it was dark although we did have a lot of people tell us because we were a speakeasy we really should be operating as one and just open our doors (laughs) underground (laughs) so (laughs) people could come in and drink. We did not do that. But um, yeah, it just was, I I think, quietly, I look for ways to inspire others, right? So maybe I'm not directly saying things to, to individuals, but if somebody sees me from afar, especially another woman who wants to get into any arena at all in a smaller community setting, you know, and just kind of break through the noise. And the reason, part of the reason I say that is because I also ran for office a couple of times. So as a woman, I got to see a lot of the challenges of of being a woman in this arena and not to say that times aren't changing but they are changing slow and um you know it really kind of depends on who you surround yourself with
0: yeah so it
1: sounds like you know resiliency and
0: like i would say probably mental health and well-being were a big component for you there um you know when i love that that you're like look i just want to prove someone wrong and that's such a beautiful headspace to be in but how do you stay there you know because i know what you're talking about I mean, when people either intentionally or unintentionally knock you down or don't yeah. help you know they will help their friends but they won't help you or whatever the case is going to be and so how do you stay on
1: the right path and in the right mindset there yeah it's really it's really hard some days are much more challenging than others and even more recently I've noticed when I get to a point where I don't feel I am in a good space, then I start to do the things that help take better care of myself, right? right. So I go to the gym more, I eat better. I do things that kind of put me in a better mindset. Um, and even read books that are not necessarily have anything to do with what I'm doing, but just enough to kind of, you know, just bring me back to center. Because yeah. it's, be, it's hard to be centered all the time. I mean, historically, I mean, I definitely go through some very dark times as well. But you also have to understand that people are people. And if you're able to separate the fact that not everybody's going to think like you, and a lot of people, everybody's got their own issues, and some people just address them differently than others. Ain't that the truth? That the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's interesting. So,
0: what did you do with your team members? You know, when you were told, "Hey, we got to shut the doors." Like, how did you keep them from losing it? Because that, I think, was equally as difficult for organizations to try to keep people on the even keel, straight and narrow. When they, I mean, early COVID was a weird time. We thought, like, we we're getting Ebola, and all of us are dying, and. <laughs> I was playing my like, college crawling around on the floor of my house cuz I didn't <laughs> cuz I was so afraid that they were going to steal my food and my dogs like it was a very weird time.
1: I <laughs> understand. I did the opposite of what everybody else did. I paid my team more. Oh wow. So, I told them that we were not going to be open, but I was going to pay them to stay there and we found things for them to do. Like whether it was just cleaning the restaurant, like reorganizing, doing things to get them involved and keep them going somewhere almost you know as much as they were before to not shift their entire you know livelihood upside down you know because i think that's part of the battle is just creating normalcy in the process of you know chaos and that was what i wanted to do for them and it took you know it took some time but we never actually had i think there was like one week right after the announcement was made and then after that we were back to just figuring things out so i love that well You know, we do
0: talk a lot here about, like, consistency, dedication, accountability, normalcy. And I think that's incredibly important because if you keep people, you know, people like to function kind of between bumper rails, if you will, right? Sometimes they start uh, ricocheting between the two of them. And if you can kind of keep them just on the straight and narrow and keep them going forward, I think that's always just, like, such a fabulous way to keep folks engaged. So out of curiosity, did you have a
1: PPP to do that or were you just, like, going deep in your personal pocketbook? Oh, no, we went deep. We did get a PPP ultimately. And then we did more things for the team, um, you know, post that as well. But no, at the time it was just our own, um, what we had to do our (laughs) revenue. Good for you. That's (laughs) Well, I did it, I did it, I do this for them, like, I, I always feel, and you probably feel this, I, I'll fall on my feet, right, like, no matter what happens, I'll figure out the next thing, so I prefer to support people if they can't support themselves, especially ones that take care of us, so. Right,
0: oh, I love that, I love that, and I, yes, I'm a, I'm a person, like, I'll figure it out, like, you can try to drown, you can stick some net blocks on my feet, I'll figure out how to kick them off and swim to the top, and I'm not even that good of a swimmer, it'll be <laughs> fine. <laughs> so okay i love that so how's how's everything going now between the business well you you basically had an additional business that hydra style bought it off of this thing and now you've got these two so how are both of them going
1: now so business is good room 33 is is doing well summers are always challenging for us because we're speakeasy style but we're getting into fall so it's um you know it's it's definitely going to we're definitely going to get back into our pace but additionally i we are actually going to probably have our general manager and bar manager become majority owners of our establishment no way um, create an opportunity for them. We'll remain minority owners, but this will give me time to be able to focus more on Blind Tiger and kind of move that path forward and see what I can build, hopefully something with it. So, yeah. yeah. I I love it. And if you haven't, this isn't like a commercial for
0: Blind Tiger, but if you haven't tried it, it really is fabulous as a person who, although I have a, an abundance of liquor behind me, I actually don't drink. <laughs> so I, well, I'm an equal opportunist. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh so should give it a try you should give it a try so as you're thinking about growing out your team now on the blind tiger side how are you thinking about you know taking care of team rolling forward and keeping everybody marching to the same drum beat?
1: for blind tiger you mean mm-hmm. Yeah. So we. Re- I recently added a business innovation officer. Uh, kind of wanted to have somebody who could mold with me as I as we move forward. But then we could add, as you know, to slowly grow, like more organically. Uh, obviously, if we get, you know, if we get the capability to add a better team, that's going to be critical to me to have her. To I never want to get big enough where I don't know everybody's name. Sure. Uh, so, but hopefully, I'll have that opportunity where that's you know. You know, that could be a challenge, you know, like an opportunity to happen. But um, yeah, it will be. It'll be critical for me to continue to do this. Uh, quality of life is is huge. Even when I hired my uh, most recent physician, you know, she works remote. Very understanding of life situations. They have a lot of kids. Like I just think it's very important for them to be balanced. So I hope that by setting that stage, even with one person, I'll continue to do that for others as as we hopefully grow.
0: Yes. And that is what we preach here on the podcast. <laughs> it's all about balance. It's like when we're on, we're on. You right. know, it's not to say there's not going to be some days where you have to work a really long day or you're going to, you know, put it all on the line. But what are you doing to take care of yourself before that event and after that event so you can keep doing that? Because that, I mean, that's about longevity. Yeah. And I talked to you about longevity last week. So I'm very, I'm very, <laughs> it's very top of mind for me. So perfect. Okay. Well, I guess one of my final questions for you, this has been wonderful and very inspirational. Like I am just ready to crush life. So thank you. So if you were going to make, you know, recommendations to teams out there, particularly in ecosystems that aren't, you know, Palo Alto, New York City, Boston, or Austin about growing their business and being resilient and being gritty, what would you tell them or like the key things that they need to do.
1: I, I really think a lot of it is just seeking out the right people, um, you know, to support you. You know, you know, once you encounter somebody, whether or not they're gonna be an asset to you and trust your gut in the process. Cause I really think that's super, super critical. I I did a lot of searching when I first started, right, and I didn't even necessarily look at, you know, the California or New York. I was just looking for people in the CPG arena. So whatever arena you're in, kind of just, and a lot of people are very responsive. And if they can't do something, sometimes they're willing to direct you in in the right way. But always have at least the most basic knowledge. If you're able to get the answer yourself, don't ask somebody else for it. Because I've met a lot of entrepreneurs that just don't have the time for that. And they don't want to babysit, uh, you know, others that are just coming up, you know, you know, coming up and growing, but they are willing to help if they think you're really actively working hard towards something, if that makes any sense. 100%.
0: Yeah, no, it really does. That's that's a great tip. And, and it's funny. So on our team, on our bold team, we always talk about like, is that grittiness? Like, what is that? Cause not everybody has it, right? Like, there's a lot of times people are like, well, how do I do this? What do I do? And it's like, you're going to learn way more if you just go figure out the answer, first of all. Second of all, like, we can't grow a business or scale a business if one person is the bottleneck for all information. Also, that's going to burn that person out real quick.
1: So we yeah. can't do that either. <laughs> right. And even probably and most critical thing I always preach is don't be afraid to fail. Like I've failed a bazillion times in this process alone. That doesn't mean it's not the right thing. So just, you know, continue to be re- I mean resilience and grit. I really think those are the critical elements of entrepreneurship. I love it. I love it. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much
0: for joining us this week. This was a wonderful discussion. and, uh, I look forward to uh, watching you continue to conquer the world and grow this team of yours. So, very grateful for your time. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Happy to. And for all of you out there listening, as always, don't forget, don't just be bold, be bolder.